This is Sammy Reinstein, and you're listening to Conversation Starters. On this show, we talk all about bringing conversations back to B2B marketing and selling. Because if there's one thing we know about doing business in the revenue era, it's that the best customer experience wins. Through the power of our own conversations with drifters, customers, and special guests, we'll learn how to deliver a sales and marketing experience that puts the buyer first. Let's get into it. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Sammy. How are you doing today? I'm good on this rainy Boston day. (laughs) Still in Boston. (laughs) We have not changed our location. (laughs) Great. Well, I'm excited because we are making our way through season two, which has all been about having that right conversation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we talk about it, we talk about it like this, like me talking to you. But in reality, with Drift and in buying experiences today, that's all happening on the website. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, many times, it doesn't even start with the human. So today we're bringing in someone who is very pro at making sure that you're having the right conversation on the websites with bots that will then route to that right human. Mm -hmm. So, Sammy, who do we have on today? (laughs) Yes, I am so excited to welcome our first Drift partner to the podcast today. Yes, and first guest from South America. Chris is a director of conversational marketing at Digital Reach Agency, which is a B2B internet marketing agency built for demand generation. A little over a year ago, Drift's head of partner content and community, Nick Sal, talked to Chris about how Digital Reach audited a company's live chat habits to take a Drift implementation from having low engagement to having a direct and accelerated upside impact on meetings, pipeline, and ultimately revenue in just four months. Chris has continued his work over the past 12 months, so today we're going to highlight some of the new ways he's found to be successful in auditing live chat and why it's important to audit live chat habits and make sure you're continuing to have the right conversations with your site visitors. Welcome, Chris, to the podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. We're so excited to have you, and I do hear that congratulations are In order, Elizabeth and I saw on LinkedIn that you were promoted to Director of Conversational Marketing. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's been quite the journey. Yeah, you know, we're at an agency here and we, our founder actually met with Seamus McGrath in person back when events were still a thing. And he came back to the agency and was like, we need to do chat for our clients. He's like, who wants to do it? And I was the first one to raise my hand. So built this thing out from scratch for the last two years, and here we are with a decent book now. That's awesome. Isn't it so cool to see conversational marketing titles popping up? I've seen different companies hiring for like a conversational marketing manager, and now you're director of conversational marketing. It's very cool to see that evolution that companies are more and more investing into conversational marketing. Yeah, absolutely. The space is undoubtedly maturing. You're doing yourself a massive disservice if you don't have some sort of chat strategy for your digital presence. So yeah, happy to see people are finally catching on. Drift was definitely a category creator and excited to see where it goes. (laughs) So speaking of at Digital Reach Agency in Director of Conversational Marketing, can you tell me a little bit more about what that role means and and what what you do in a day-to-day? Yeah, for sure. So first of all, DRA, we bill ourselves as like a full-service B2B demand gen agency. And we've been around for about 10 years. We specialize in everything from paid search to social, web dev design, 
marketing automation and yes, conversational marketing, everything from implementation to strategy. But in my day-to-day role, it really comes to, it comes down to aligning with client goals and how that, those could be best supported via Drift and a chat strategy, right? So Drift has like the revenue acceleration model. We heavily reference that in like the crawl, walk, run, making sure that we have the basics covered before we start to drill down with any other strategies like ABM and, and other other things. But yeah, it's just me and a team. And we like to blend our experience of all of the other services that we do, like paid channels and mm. UX and web dev and make sure that Drift is just an assist in all of those other kind of facets of B2B digital marketing. Yeah, that's awesome. And so this season of Conversation Starters on this podcast is about continuing the conversation. And we know in conversational marketing that there's sort of engaging, starting those conversations and understanding and recommending. And what you have done more recently and what I'd love to talk about today and just pick your brain is auditing your playbooks, right? So once you've created all of those playbooks, how do you make sure that you have the right playbooks running? So in your words, what does it mean to audit your playbooks? Yeah, for sure. So we take a look at audits through two main lenses. And we call them structural and performance. And so let's dive a little bit into what a structural audit is. So mm. in a structural audit, we like to take a look at the inner workings or settings of a playbook. And we really like to answer the following questions. First being like account-wide, are the right playbooks firing on the right web pages for the right people? Is my playbook ordering set up the right way, right? Like sometimes we encounter clients that have like 50 to 100 plus playbooks and mm-hmm. every client is different, but... Definitely want to make sure that as you're producing playbooks, that the intended audience is seeing those playbooks or else you're just kind of wasting your effort. So yeah, I can't tell you how many times um, we've gone into a a client's portal that has tons of playbooks and we just discover that they, some of their ABM playbooks for their target accounts, like really high value accounts have never had an impression. And and Mm. sometimes that catches people off guard. They're like, well, I, you know, I told my marketing specialist, like, launch this and you know for supporting our, our key accounts yeah sometimes they never see the light of day so making sure that targeting is is dialed in is like super important that's like the first thing that we like to take a look at yeah so the second thing is on a playbook by playbook basis uh we next aim to answer the question of is the individual like page or the targeting for a playbook setup right so you know really high value pages like your requested demo page or your contact us page like are those bots firing on the right page. And then ultimately, the last question we look to answer on the structural side is, do I have the architecture and the drift kind of flow set up the appropriate way to capture meaningful data? Mm. So thousands of uh, prospects interact with bots and maybe never submit an email or book a meeting, but there's tons of meaningful actions that should be systematically collected before an email or meeting ever gets booked or captured. So for example, did someone raise their hand to speak to sales? If so, it's definitely important to note that. Did someone explicitly express an interest in one of your service lines? For us, like, did someone tell us that they're interested in SEO over paid search, over web dev, et cetera, et cetera? Definitely note that. And then ultimately combine and use that data to continually personalize their experience and continue the conversation, right, as they come back to the website. So broadly, that's kind of like structural audits in a nutshell. And the next thing is performance audit, right? So making sure that we're taking a look at individual playbooks or groups of playbooks and you know, asking, are these playbooks meeting our objectives that we set out in the, uh, in the scoping process? And you know, we answer this by taking a look at how often this, uh, this bot is showing up on the website. Again, how many meetings are booked, emails are captured, links are clicked, et cetera. 
And in there, we like to take a look to see how people are progressing through the flow, and then also just comparing it against, again, the, the objectives set out. But last but not least, the, the thing that I'd like to bring up in this whole audit process is archiving, right? The last thing that we want to see in our clients' instances are a bunch of zombie playbooks that never get any fires. And so in the process of auditing, if we just see that something's really not getting any traction with our intended audience, after a couple of rounds of optimization, we usually make sure to just recommend that we archive those just to make sure that there aren't zombie playbooks. Yeah. But overall, that's kind of what our audit process in a nutshell. Yeah. It's so important. We actually, at Drift, we just went through an audit process. And going back into our instance now is like a breath of fresh air because you know exactly what every playbook is doing. And we've archived so many playbooks that we didn't need. And it just feels better going in. And the prioritization process is easier, right? Knowing which playbook should go where and getting rid of all of those. It it definitely helps. Yeah, it's like a spring cleaning. It's like absolutely necessary. You got to clear out the junk drawer every once in a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm a big fan of spring cleaning. I need to actually do it this year. Really (laughs) get rid of all of my clothes. But it's never too late. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love that you broke it into structural and performance. I think when people think of an audit, even outside of bots, when we're thinking about an audit of email or SEO or whatever that may be, we're really thinking about performance. But structural is so important too, making sure that those playbooks are firing on the right pages and making sure that you're getting the most when you're setting it up because you're putting time into creating this. So you want to make sure that you're really getting the ROI from that playbook. Absolutely. And like I mentioned uh, in the previous answer, like those custom fields, I think I'll touch on it a little bit later, but like the data that you're actually specifically capturing when people are making it through your flows are so important. Like as marketers, we know that the more mm. targeted and contextualized your message is, the more likely it is to be engaged with. And so yeah. delighting those prospects when they come back for second and third, fourth site visits is, you know, you have to collect that data to be able to craft that strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And how often do you recommend that people go into their, into their orgs and actually audit their playbooks? Well, it depends. We, we recommend an account-wide ordering check at least once per quarter or once a month if you're launching like a high number of playbooks and testing a lot. An individual bot-specific audit is prescribed on a case-by-case basis. You know, Some bots may not get enough traffic in a given day, week, or month to really be able to determine the trend. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it really depends on kind of like the length of the campaign that the bot is supporting and again, like how often it's getting interacted with. But we do have a recommend baking in a post-launch check-in with every bot that you launch. So not just launching something into the abyss and never checking the internet again, making sure that it's, again, getting displayed or getting interacted with and firing on the same page. But those are some of the criteria that we recommend before popping into an account-wide or bot-specific audit. Yeah, that's really important. We actually, at Drift in our Asana tasks, when we are launching a new campaign or launching a new offer and we need a bot, we have specific tasks that say test before and test after, just to make sure that everything is running the way that it should be. Yeah, absolutely. QA is what sets the big dog, so to speak, apart from the maybe the <laughs> hobbyists, like, especially if it's some massive global brand, the last thing you want to do is launch a bot with a typo or on the wrong page. So having done a lot of audits and, and going through playbooks, what are some common maybe myths that you've been able to debunk? Maybe you had a hunch that something would work performance-wise, but actually something else worked. What, what have you seen 
Yeah, for sure. So the first one, the first myth that I'd like to debunk is we have to ask more questions in our bot flow. Like we need to capture absolutely as much information before we send it over to sales. There's a sweet spot usually. And the truth is everyone is just getting more impatient. It's what it is. Apple and Amazon and Facebook are training us and Instagram for that gratification. And so when people have to sit through five, 10 questions in a bot, they're just like, screw this. So to combat that and become more relevant, we recommend our clients do the following. First, use third-party data to get the right playbooks. First and third-party, pardon me, data to get the right playbooks in front of the right people. So for example, does someone already exist in my marketing database, right? If you're using Marketo and Drift, you have like a massive advantage because you can build smart lists of people that have already identified themselves. Right then and there, you can avoid from needing, you can basically cut out the need to ask their email or the first name or their last name, et cetera. So that's what we mean by using like first party data. You know, you could ask yourself, uh, is someone from this, a key account, right? Like, are we making a massive push into these one-to-one few named accounts or like these verticals? Well, if that person is from a, a named account, like don't make them jump through hoops. You want to roll out the red carpet, so to speak, for them. So essentially get out of their way. So I guess first and foremost, the best, the, the biggest myth is just that we need to ask a lot of questions. We recommend approaching it in a very balanced way. Yeah, I think that's very important. And I think the point that you brought up with in our consumer world, we're very used to instant gratification. That has to transfer to B2B. And we see that in in so many ways. We see that in the sales process, right? That we need personalization and we need trusted advisors as B2B people who are trying to create an experience for buyers, we really should be mimicking everything good that's coming in. So asking more questions, that's a that's a get for us, right? If we're just asking, asking, asking. And we always recommend give, give, give rather than get, get, get. Yeah, absolutely. I think to maybe circle back on, on striking a balance, if I may, mm. there inevitably are going to be the people that come through the homepage bot asking to talk mm-hmm. to sales like right away and we don't know a thing about them. So there we, we definitely want to make sure that we're qualifying people to not piss off sales. Yeah. But really just periodically getting together with marketing and sales, uh, you know, sales high performers and, and marketing leaders and saying like, what are the critical pieces of information that we need before we kind of route these people over to sales? But I want to mention a couple of bonuses. Please. Uh, in terms of like the myths, right? So we're still talking about like asking a lot of questions and striking the balance, but I think bonus number one that I would encourage people to walk away with is like, make sure sales is brought in, is bought in rather on live chat. Uh, In theory and in practice, when sales gets good at identifying which bots and conversations to intervene in, they can cut the speed to lead to opportunity ratio like massively, right? This uh, avoids the back and forth of the email conversations and like when are you free, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, making sales bought into live chat is like one of the first things that, that we recommend. But Bonus number two is if your model is your selling model is relatively self-service, and I, you know, people at Drift may not like me saying this, but you can maybe get away with not having sales bought in completely and having Drift initially be a passive tool to show success with like passive calendaring, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So let's say that you just can't strike a balance between the questions that sales is is wants in the qualifying flow. Maybe just take Drift as a more passive way to kind of ease them into the to the tool and show them value. Yeah, I think it's a great way. You know, if you really, really want Drift and your sales team, like they're just not bought in yet, still go for it. And there are so many ways that you can have a bot on your site that 
are just the bot talking. For example, content downloads, right? Like you said, people are used to that instant gratification. Maybe they don't want to fill out a form. So you're using your bot to offer up that content. You can still provide a good buyer experience. But to your earlier point too, when sales is bought in, it's just like that perfect combination. It's like peanut butter and jelly when you have the bot and sales working together. Yeah, absolutely. One final myth that I'd like to just get out there that I encourage people listening to this podcast to think about is the quote unquote, we need a playbook for 10, 20 plus different segments, especially if they have their Marketo or their Pardot connected, because they can go kind of crazy with with those smart lists. Like, hey, we should get a a bot for our recent webinar attendees. And it's like really cool, but not every organization can necessarily benefit from that. Right. Really depends on like your web traffic and, and how how large your database is. I would recommend that people just go with like the core segments. Yeah. One being like people that have demonstrated intent through Drift, but haven't given us their email or booked a meeting. Like back to that data capture architecture that I referred to is like making sure you have that in place will allow you to target those people with a more direct call to action when they come back to your site. So you can quote unquote, maybe get out of their way. So that's one key segment. The second key segment is talking to people that have converted that exist in your marketing database, but haven't had a demo or talk to sales yet, right? Maybe like getting in front of them and saying like, hey, we noticed you've converted, but like you haven't talked to sales, why? Like, can we answer any questions or can we get more case studies? And the third segment is people that have talked to sales, like they've had a demo, but there's no opportunity. And all the segmentation is possible with Drift and several marketing automation platforms. And we've seen success with targeting those three core segments instead of going like absolutely crazy with like 15 to 20 other segments for a bunch of other marketing <laughs> programs. I love that recommendation. I think it's amazing to to start there with those segments. And then if there are other segments, just making sure you're using the data and making sure that before you put a lot of time into creating that for a segment that you're looking into audiences and you're seeing how many people are coming there and and using that data backed. And I love those three segments and adding that personalization. And speaking of personalization, something that you touched on a little bit earlier that I want to sort of double click into is this concept of contextualization. So as you're building out your first bot, with your homepage might be different than, you know, the fourth time they come back to the site, right? Every buyer's journey is going to be different. So how do you think about contextualization as you're building out a playbook or playbook strategy? Yeah, for sure. So I touched on it a bit, but it bears repeating first and third party data are your friends. So making sure to incorporate Drift's own clear bit data and the crawl, walk, run, again, approach to contextualization. If you're like in the crawl phase and you're just getting started, I'd recommend inferring and contextualizing maybe based on industry. 90% of my clients have like an industry-based approach to how they build out their content and maybe some of their case studies, et cetera. So that might be a great place to start as you're building out those flows and inferring where people are from, maybe inferring and placing that in the copy and some of the assets that you're featuring. If you're walking or you're running, I'd recommend blending the marketing automation platform and the CRM data for role-based contextualization. So like, titles, whether or not this person is a decision maker or an influencer in the committee, et cetera. Those are all things that you may be tracking in your marketing automation platform and your CRM. And you could start to contextualize around. And then lastly, using Sixth Sense and Demand Base for firmographic and like surge or intent-based targeting and contextualization. Drift has a massively powerful integration with those two platforms. So if you're putting all this effort into building out those lists, it's a no-brainer to import them into Drift and build out a segment. Yeah. 
the crawl, walk, run is such a great way of approaching it because it just makes it a little bit easier to come at. Like I can start here and then I can continue to layer on personalization and like you said, that firmographic data. But taking it back to sort of basics in just where my playbooks are, we talked about the homepage, maybe in the homepage, you don't really know who this person is and you might have to do a little bit more qualifying And then there's different pages where you can contextualize why they're there, like the contact us page. So how do you differ a playbook, like a homepage playbook versus a contact us playbook? Yeah. Well, if you zoom out and like are empathetic about the buyer journey and where these people are across your website, it can be rather simple. So if someone has decided to make it all the way to your contact us page, you have less convincing to do, Mm -hmm. just frankly, than say someone browsing the top of your of your funnel, right? Like on an SEO blog, still educating themselves about like the problem that they have and how you're going to solve it. So yeah. with that in mind, for a contact us page experience, it's mainly we like to just simply get out of their way yeah. and do our damn best to get sales to understand that if they get a notification from this bot and a chat comes through during office hours, they should do everything in their power to reply within 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the way that we frame the importance of a contact us page bot and and the strategy of when we build up the flow. But if someone's on your homepage, they very well may still be educating themselves. And so we like to give them an opportunity to get directly to sales with the appropriate qualification flow, of course, because we don't want to piss off sales with a bunch of crappy leads. But in those experiences, we also like to offer them some educational paths to highest performing content, right? So taking a look at Google Google Analytics, Mm. seeing what's resonating with our audiences, maybe uh, blogs with high dwell times or case studies or PDFs with a high download rate, et cetera, et cetera. We like to feature those in our in our homepage bots. So yeah, that's basically how we would kind of mentally think about those two different experiences and how we would approach them. Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of form fills, form fills are something that have sort of been here since the beginning of time with marketing. They're very ingrained in people's sites, and it's how we get MQLs and marketers can feel very attached to their forms. So how do you recommend, you know, if you were to say to someone, someone who is really attached to that form on the contact page, or is really attached to that form on an offer page, whatever that may be, what do you recommend they do and how, how can Drift help even if they want to keep that form there? Yeah, for sure. So a very prescient move by Drift. Drift rolled out a product called Fastlane, I think it was a year ago, maybe a bit more. They realized that forms were here to stay for a while. I think in an ideal world, we just have like every button click tied to a bot. That'd be <laughs> awesome. I think that's Drift's world of like the, the B2B site. But uh, yeah, forms have a lot of stakeholders, marketing people, leadership, etc. like live and die based off of probably form fills and then ultimately generated revenue from those form fills. But with Fastlane, look, we have seen it uh, kind of rise to the top of, it just, it's become the number one driver of incremental uh, growth for our clients. So a lot of our clients started on like a drift account or a drift tier where they didn't have access to Fastlane. We demo implemented it. They saw such a, a good kind of response from their net increase of like meetings booked and speed to leave it. They're like, yeah, we got to, we got to upgrade. We need access to this. And so I think capitalizing on that key moment of the phone film, allowing and displaying that calendar to qualified prospects has allowed us to just drastically lower that speed to leave metrics. So if you really think about it, instead of that form fill to Marketo processing to automated email 
to week long email chain, potentially trying to find availability. You're allowing that prospect to choose their own time in the moment, right after that kind of macro commitment of the form fill. So it's really a no brainer to implement across most of your key forms if you have Drift and you have access to Fastlane. And Chris, one question that I really want to ask you before we wrap up here is about the right conversation. We talk a lot about how to start conversations, but it's important to hone in on having that right conversation. So what playbook details are you suggesting people look at to make sure that they're having the right conversation at the right point in the buyer's journey? Yeah, for sure. Well, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I want to (laughs) triple down on something that I brought up earlier. And it's really just to make sure that you're systematically capturing the right interactions throughout all of your playbooks. Mm-hmm. Again, interactions like clicked on a button that indicated that they're interested in talking to sales, clicked on a button that in- indicated they were interested in solution X or Y, made it to the booked a meeting node, but didn't actually su- successfully book that meeting. That way, when people come back to that to your website, you're not tone deaf and you're not hitting them with the homepage bot that's like, hey, how can I help you? Because they've mm-hmm. clearly given you given you actionable and useful data in previous interactions. So that's what I would say is the number one driver to like having the right conversation at the right time via Drift. Yeah, it's so important. And like we said earlier, the personalization aspects and as a buyer, making sure that you're not getting those questions re-asked and all of that, that you feel like, the bot is continuing with your buyer's journey and continuing to make sure that they're giving you the right pieces of content or recommending the right things. It can really make or break that buyer experience. Absolutely. Well, Chris, I think this is really a must listen for any Drift customers out there that are thinking about optimization and thinking about auditing their bots. So thank you, Chris, so much. Before you go, where can people find you if they if they want to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Again, thanks for having us. They could find us at digitalreachagency.com. Me and the team, we're always around. We do a pro bono audit before any of our engagements to kind of lead with value and really validate that project plan. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, you bet. Clearly, Chris has learned a lot in the past year auditing playbooks. A lot of trial and error, problem solved. Hopefully, he solved problems for our listeners so that they don't have to experience the same things and can have an even smoother playbook implementation. Yeah. I mean, bots and playbooks and all that are some of my favorite things to talk about. So I really enjoyed speaking with Chris, who is a fellow conversational marketing nerd, geek, enthusiast. enthusiast. (laughs) And I hope all the other conversational marketing enthusiasts enjoyed this episode. And if you have more questions about bots, playbooks, etc., feel free to let us know in the comments or chat into our bot on the podcast page. Thanks so much for listening to Conversation Starters. If you liked this episode, please leave us a six-star review by clicking the link in the show notes. And hit subscribe so you never miss another one. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sammy Reinstein and follow all of our shows at Drift Podcasts.